created to the God who calls us beyond borders in ourselves, in our world. May we trust in that. May we trust in where the Spirit is leading us. Uh, There's one border, though, that I would rather you not cross. (laughs) If you find my phone laying around, uh, there's one place I would not want you to go, and that is to the selfie roll. Um... There's some embarrassing pictures in there, just letting you know. Like every 60th one is social media ready, but that means that there's 59 who look um, something like this here. (laughs) I picked the one that wasn't like that bad. Uh, That's me trying to do like the jazz hands emoji, um, just in case I need it. But now now that I have a kid who joins me every morning before the sun rises, um, these are kind of what the selfies look like in my day. I have a bunch of selfies that look just like that. And the young folks tell me when you're taking a selfie that uh, you've got to pay attention to the relationship between your environment, your angles, and yourself. And if any of one of them, those things are askew, uh, you just, it's serious because you just might find yourself looking a little like a baboon if you're not careful. So pay attention to those three spheres, your environment, your angle, and yourself. It's true, though, even when the camera's not around. Uh, that's kind of a microcosm of this conception of ourself. Um, our lives are kind of this intertwined relationship between these different spheres, our, our environment, the others around us, uh, the angles, the way that God sees and perceives us and we perceive that, and ourselves. We're this intersection of relationships between, between others, those around us, in our workplaces, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, uh, between God, that higher power, that calling on our lives, and with ourselves, which sometimes is the hardest to really bring into alignment. And if any one of those things are askew along the way, we're not quite balanced or integrated, our angles and our environment feel a bit off, but when they line up, when those things come together, it's in those times that we feel this sense of of purpose This purpose, you may be from God for others greater than ourselves, and we can find ourselves in deep, in profound ways. So for all of us, we're always trying to get those spheres to kind of line up and work themselves out, to balance out and to integrate and to find ourselves and to pull it together to find real purpose. And at times in our life, maybe that's come together, but at other times in our life, it feels like the pieces of that puzzle might be disconnected or fractured. Maybe we feel disconnected and fractured from ourselves, which makes the message of Jesus, as Jesus steps into this world, so incredibly beautiful, so revolutionary and restorative for ourselves, that Jesus came to kind of put those relationships back together, and in that put us back together. See, the Jesus message, as we've said, was simple. At the heart of this whole thing is love God love others as you love yourself. Those same three spheres that we talked about, love God, love others, love yourself as God loves you. He came to teach us and empower us to do that, to live this way of life with love at its center that begins to recenter us and realign our spheres and our relations and restore our sense of purpose and self and renew us in the depth of our spirit and the truth of who we are.
So we've been talking about in this series, this power to make all things new, that God is working in our world and that God is working in us as well. And Jesus condensed this message down to this new vision of life with God and others and ourselves. He called it a brand new commandment, a brand new way to be and to live and to relate to the world and has the power to make things new. He said, just as I've loved you, I give you this new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. So in other words, Jesus kind of pulls those spheres together and says, God loves you, so love others in that same way that you are loved. And I'm so glad that when Jesus laid this out, that he called it brand new, just so it doesn't get mixed up in all of the old stuff. Because the ironic and often detrimental thing is, is that sometimes, sometimes the messages of religion, of the old stuff, can really be harmful to us in helping us balance out these spheres. So I asked one of my friends this week, and what are the messages that you heard from religion about yourself? And uh, this person said, well, well, sometimes it seemed like the whole point of religion was to make me feel bad about myself. <laughs> you know, that God was the one good thing in the world and that I'm like way not good. And some of us, that might be a little bit shocking, right? We need our fanning couch and our church fan to start to fan ourselves. But for others of us, when we say that, you're like, yeah, actually, I've heard and felt that very same thing. And maybe I didn't know there was a different way to think about this. Because we know where it's coming from. God is high above the ideal of good things. And honestly, for us as human beings, there's some stuff that's not good. And there's, there's self-interest and self-focused self-love that needs correcting. But the message that Jesus brought wasn't exactly that. Jesus came to to lift the lowly and to love all, to sit with the outsider and to empower the vulnerable and to call us friends. The message of Jesus is so far away from that old message. Jesus corrected the self-centered self-love, not with self-hate, but with God-centered self-love. Understanding that God loves you as you are, because you are, and sees what you're becoming and helps you get there. So for Jesus, this God-centered self-love is the beginning of a new kind of life that leads us out to love others, to love our God, and even to find ourselves. And I think that old message breaks God's heart because it breaks our hearts and breaks our relationships and breaks us, ourselves, sometimes apart. And God is about putting back the spheres of self together. So as we find ourselves, as we begin to put those back together and we live into this new way of God, we'll begin to find that purpose and fulfillment and the abundant life that Jesus offers that's good for us. Of course, that, that same old, like, down with your bad self kind of message was around in Jesus' day. It's always been around. So it's no wonder when Jesus stepped into the world, and when Jesus showed up and preached his very first sermon, <laughs> he started by helping us see things in that kind of a way, to align ourselves with love at its center, align our environment and our angles, our neighbor, our God, and ourselves. You know, not, not so that we could get our selfies right, but so that we could get in right relationship with the world around us and to invite us into a new kind of purpose. Um, Jesus, of course, was probably a master self 
selfie taker because he was good at everything. Um, I think this is like an actual picture of those days. All right, here's my, uh, here's my <laughs> pastor joke. I was thinking, what's Jesus saying right there? And I think he's saying, um, come to me. My focus is easy and my light is right. Um, that, that's, that's a pastor joke for you. Um, so Jesus' first public sermon is captured not in photo, but in what we call the Sermon on the Mount from, uh, from the, the gospel that came out of the community around Matthew. And Jesus had begun to gather some folks together who would come and hear him teach and, and walk with him and be with him. And there were a bunch of folks, probably a lot like us. Uh, some had been with him for a little while and Others had heard a few things that piqued their interest and they were drawing near for a closer look, but all of them had questions and none of them felt like they had much in themselves to make a dent in the universe. And so Jesus went up on this hill that day and he lays out this new vision for life with God and others and ourselves. He calls it the beloved community or the kingdom of heaven and he invites them into it. So this ragtag bunch of folks, Jesus begins to tell them, God sees you, and God sees you in this way that maybe no one else does, and sometimes you can't even see yourself, and God loves you and invites you in to something bigger. So he leads them up on the hill. He clears his throat, and he says, this is how God sees you. He said, God sees you as blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And it takes a second for the crowd. They're like, wait, what did he say? Like that moment in the slam dunk contest a few years ago when Vince Carter stuck his whole arm down through the rim, and those of us watching were like, oh, that was a nice dunk, and then we realized he stuck his whole arm down the rim, and we start to wake up, and we're like, wait, what just happened? Jesus said, poor in spirit, like those who had no spiritual stuff of their own to offer, God welcomes them. And even more, God says, I see you, and I love you, and you are invited. He begins to put back the sphere of the self. And he goes on, he said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. When our relationships with others are marked by loss or by lost love, God says, I see you, I love you, you are invited. And then he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. When you're seeking something greater, when you're seeking justice and righteousness in our world and you're hungry and you're thirsty and sometimes you're dry, God says, I see you, I know you, I love you, you are invited. And on and on, Jesus takes these things that sometimes seem like impediments, things that we feel like might disqualify us from a relationship with God and said, God loves you with unqualified love. You are blessed. You may think that something stands between you and the God who formed you and knows you. Maybe it's your story. Maybe it's your shape. Maybe it's your idiosyncrasies. But they do not stand before you. They're not irreconcilable. Instead, they are indispensable and important, built to be part of something incredible in what God is doing in the world. You are a child of God, Jesus says, of sacred worth with profound purpose right now. And that profound purpose does not run from who you are. It comes from who you are. And so Jesus starts to wake us up to this new view of ourself by showing us how God sees us, aligning our spheres of self and of God, because those two things are so deeply connected to each other. That word that Jesus uses that we translate blessed is makarios. It means deeply happy, fulfilled, in right 
relation with God. So he says to those around him, you are in right relation with God. We've all got our list that we think keep us out of right relationship with God, those deep fears and flaws that find their way sometimes bubbling up to the surface of ourselves, our stumbles and our struggles and our stupid stuff, just our self. And God says, you are makarios, blessed, period. Even if you're somebody like me, who may or may not have locked my entire family in the backyard when I left for work this weekend, um, at least it was a pretty day, right? Nothing separates us from the love of God, be confident in that, but from the love of our spouse, that might be a different story along the way, because I was also the one who didn't put the spare key back outside the last time I did, so I was in trouble. But to all of us, no matter what, God says, I see you, I love you, I know you, you are blessed, you are makarios, you are invited to be a part of something more, something deep and real. Why does Jesus start there with us, with the spheres of God and ourselves? There's so many reasons, but I think one of those is that when we begin to realize that we don't have to run from who we are, hide from who we are, hide who we are from God, when we can begin with who we are and where we are and how we are, we can begin to wake up to this whisper that maybe, just maybe, God might have something for us as we are to be a part of, a purpose, an invitation to love as we've been loved right where we are, as we are, with all we are. And waking up to that whisper is like waking up to something new, something deep, something real. And we are surrounded by so many expectations and images put on us that sometimes have so little to do with who we really are. Expectations held by people and ourselves that sometimes are are not trying to discern our true selfhood, but fit us into slots. But the God who created you and knows you inside and out, who you really are, has a vision that fits you with no expectation, only invitation to take up who you truly are and join it to what God is up to, not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. And the best way to do it is to be truly yourself. That's the gift that you were put on earth to offer to others, God says. So it's that final piece, our self in relationship with God, but also in relationship with others. As we begin to understand how we fit into this calling and this purpose in our world that begins to integrate that whole of us together, our life, our purpose with respect to others. So Jesus begins to unveil that final piece in that sermon on the mount of what life with others looks like. And so he starts to invite those who are gathered into a story about purpose and vocation, about that thing that might just make us makarios, deeply fulfilled. And isn't that so much of what we're trying to figure out? Our purpose, what we want to be when we grow up, how we take us and be a part of this world in a way that brings life to others and to ourselves. And so Jesus lays out a picture for those around him, and it blew their minds back then. Because he looked out at this motley crew of folks, and he he clears his throat, and he gives them a vision of their purpose. He says, you are the light of the world, of the cosmos, of the whole world, which was crazy. (laughs) Not because they were dim, you know, but just because they were like people like you and me. And the light of the world was this nickname that you give to like a Jesus person or the nation of Israel, the people of God. And now Jesus is just 
giving it to normal people like us. This was something new. And they didn't quite follow what Jesus was saying, so he keeps on going. He says, you're like a city that's built on a hill that cannot be hidden. And here they started to catch on to what he was talking about because there was one city on a hill that everybody knew about back then, and that was Jerusalem. It was built on a hill with a big white, white limestone wall around which you'd light torches and at night, and it would shine out for miles. You couldn't hide it. But even more, Jerusalem was this sacred place that in popular culture, they believed that in some way, God was especially present in Jerusalem. God's everywhere, of course, they believed, but in some way, God is especially present there. And so Jesus says, yeah, you're like that. (laughs) In some way, God is present in you and with you as you go into the world. And you're like a city on a hill to be the presence of God, to be like an ambassador of Christ, of hope, of love, of peace in the places where you are. And everybody goes, whoa the places where we are, the places we find ourselves among our family and our friends and our workplaces, our schools and our community. Jesus says about those places that God is doing something with us that's kind of sneaky big. The word that Jesus uses to say built in Matthew is this word that means like architected, engineered, like a city whose architect placed it in just the right spot on the hill with purpose and intention and thoughtfulness. In that same way, you're like a city on a hill that's in just the right spot. And he goes on and makes this point in a different way. He says, you you don't hide a lamp after you light it, but you put it on a lampstand in just the right spot so that it gives light to everyone in the house. Back then, they had like a single lamp in their home, and so they would be really intentional about putting it in the right place so that it could give light to everyone, and there'd be no dark corner. And he says, you're like that. You're like a city in just the right spot, like a lamp in just the right location to bring light to the whole vicinity. People's minds started turning because when we think about where we are in that kind of a way, that maybe where we are, we might have a piece to play into this bigger thing, to bring light to the places where we are. It has crazy implications for us, that where we are right now for us, God has a purpose for us. In your friend group, in your office, with your clients, with your family, at the cafeteria table, where you are, we're called to a purpose. Who you are has a purpose in that place. Your story has a purpose. You're in just the right place at just the right time to bring light to those around you. And it starts to work its way out in so many of the questions that we have. Because so often we feel in between in this life. Like we, we think our purpose in life is down the road when we graduate or when we have it a little more together. <laughs> Once we get out in the real world or we have some financial flexibility or we are a little less busy, then we'll start to worry about that sphere of life that reaches out to others. But as the great prophet John Lennon once said, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. Jesus implies that right now, where you are, as you are, as yourself, God has a purpose for you in your location, 
for your story, for your history, your sense of humor, and your heart for you. And we need all of us to do that. We don't have to be perfect. Lights flicker from time to time. Ours do here. But we're called to be present in those places as ourselves, all of us, in our diversity. Because we need all of us in our individuality and idiosyncrasies and uncountable interest groups because together we spread out and we cover the earth and we're to light it up for all people. So how do we do that? Jesus goes on, he says, in the same way that you're like a city on a hill or a light on a lampstand, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. In the same way, shine in such a way that it reflects the heart of God and helps other people know how much God loves them as themselves. And we do it with loving words, but especially with our good works in action and intention to be light in our location. The kind of light that's for all the people in the room that points us all to something more. Jesus says, don't just be nice. Be new as you go. Love new. Live new. Live not by law, but by love. Not by grasping, but grace. Not with resentment, but reconciliation. Not with harm, but with healing. Not with walls, but with welcome. Not for yourself, but from yourself. Love as you've been loved. In our life, who we are and where we are reflects this love of God for others when we start to do that, it aligns those three spheres and helps us find ourselves. So there's a simple question that we can ask as we think about the places where we go and the places where we be that invites us to put all of those spheres and places into a whole. God, others, and ourselves. You can ask this question about all the places and hills where you find yourself. It's this simple question. How can God, how can this bigger thing Use me for the good of others. How can God use me, my story, my journey, who I am for the good of others? And if we ask that question, if we ask it intentionally about the places we go and the people who stir our hearts, if we ask that question, there will be a nudge and there will be an opportunity. And it's our opportunity then to do the good work to be courageous, to take a stand, to live without borders and see what God does. And in that way, Jesus begins to put our spheres back together. And when those spheres align, we find purpose. God, others, and ourselves, we find the makarios that we were built for. It's an amazing thing that happens when God begins to do that in our lives. It's unexpected and it's crazy along the way. And so as I was thinking about some people's lives that I've seen this very thing happen in, this alignment of who we are, who God is, places where we find ourselves. I thought about someone that I look up to incredibly. Uh, It's my cousin, Casey, uh, who's an amazing person. She's kind and strong. She's a quiet leader and she is quite a light in our world. But she hasn't always seen that in herself. Uh, Her sister was Miss World, like almost literally. Her brother was Mr. World, and she was Casey. She was amazing, but sometimes it didn't feel to her like it was enough. So in college, some of that struggle manifested itself in her life and in, in an eating disorder that got pretty serious along the way. 
Uh, she'd been on the equestrian team in college, and because of her physical state, she had to drop out, and it, it hurt deeply. She loves horses with everything she was, and she had to walk away from that. In time, she was hospitalized, and it was, it was pretty serious. But for her, as she wrestled, something happened in that hospital room. Something changed for her. It was through the kindness and the light shining from others. It was through her reaching out and seeking God in prayer. She began to hear this message, not like hear it audibly, but in that way that you can feel something deeply. And it just said to her, you are loved. You're deeply loved as you are, where you are. There's purpose for you. And she didn't know what that meant, but she set out to find it out. And it was a long road from there. And it's one that she is still traveling every day. But in so many words, she asked that question, how can God use me for the good of others? Even in a time when she herself felt so small, God began to show her that God has big answers to that question for us. So she finished school with counseling and an emphasis on eating disorders and began working in a residential retreat, doing so much good, real, hard, light-shining work. But that wasn't the end for her. You know, uh, I don't know how it all works, but sometimes it just seems like God brings these spheres of ourselves and who God is in a way that's so much bigger and more perfect than we could ever imagine. And so in a few years, Casey gets a call, and she's invited to come to a center and work with them. And it was a center that helped patients with eating disorders through equine therapy with horses, something she thought was never going to be a part of her life again. She spends her days now riding horses, teaching others to ride, and helping people along that same journey that she is on, shining light in her location through her story as she is where she is with all she is. And it's not perfect, but she is deeply happy. She's found her purpose. She's found herself anew. So that question, how can God use me, my story, my history, my journey to help others? When you ask that, even if you feel small, I promise you, the God who formed you and knits you and knows you and loves you has big answers, a big vision for you, so much bigger than you could ever possibly imagine. And I don't know what the answer is for you, but I know there is one. And it begins right now, where you are, as you are. And when those spheres align, we'll find ourselves anew. As we learn from Jesus, as we grow in the love of God and love of neighbor and love of ourselves, and we ask that question, how can God use us to help others, to help our community, to shine the light of something brand new and maybe find something brand new for ourselves? along the way. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you that you love us every step of our journey all along the way. 
that you've been with us on that journey and all the side roads in between. No matter who we are, no matter our age, race, gender, orientation, God, that you see us and you know us and you love us and you call us to be a part of something big. God, sometimes it's hard to see that in ourselves. So we just ask that you show us that you speak truth into our lives in the depth of our spirit, in the truth of who we are, that we might shine the light of your love where we are, as we are, with all we are every day. May we be loved as we've been loved. We pray this in your incredible name.